Well, uh, one of my early errors when learning to cook for myself um, soon after moving out of home was learning the difference between a clove of garlic and a knob of garlic. Um, it was supposed to be a uh, tasty pasta sauce. Um, the recipe called for two cloves of garlic. And to me, um, clove sounded like the whole thing. Um, but of course, when tasting the sauce a little later, I realised my error. Um, it was a case of adding something, or when adding something turns out to destroy the thing that you hoped it would improve. There's probably all kinds of illustrations um, that we could think of where that's the case. And uh, what we'll see today is that that is certainly true about the gospel. Um, The gospel is the wonderful good news that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to add to that gospel never improves it, it always takes away from it. I remember hearing a catchy line once that with the gospel, addition always equals subtraction. And uh, that is what I think we see discovered in our passage in Acts today. Uh, Today we see the leaders of the early church come together to resolve this question of how can people be saved? Um, Is it different for Jews and Gentiles? Uh, Does the work of Jesus need adding to in some way? Um, Does God treat all people the same? These are the questions that we see them wrestling with and questions that we should not take for granted today. And especially as we're in this series in Acts and thinking about mission, well, as we think about being sent out with the good news, well, it's very important that we go with the right message. And it's very important that we're clear about what things must never change and what things there is much more freedom about. So that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And I want us to see two main things from this passage as in your newsletter, if you following along there. Firstly, we must be never changing about one thing. And that means that we can be ever-changing about everything else. So firstly, we want to think about, well, what must never change? What is this one thing? Well, the one thing that must never change or that we must never add to or take away from is the message of the gospel. Uh, this is what we see in chapter 15. And if you were with us last week, we, uh, re- we jumped back into this series in the book of Acts. Um, we looked at that first missionary journey we saw Um, Paul and Silas sent out by the church in Antioch and uh, this is the kind of trip that they went on, Uh, this first overseas mission trip. They spoke the gospel to lots of people and then they made their way back uh, to Antioch again. And if you look just at sort of the summary uh, back in chapter 14 at the end there in verse 27, we see this summary of the trip. It says, On arriving there they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So that's what God did through Paul and Barnabas. Um, As we reflected on last week, many people, uh, many Gentile people for the first time, heard the gospel and put their faith in Jesus. But now what we see as we continue in Acts is we we kind of see this pause in the mission. Um, Soon there will be a second mission trip, we'll get to that next week, Uh, But chapter 15 is a very important moment as the church uh, pauses from the mission to clarify among the believers the truth of the gospel. Um, Let me read there again from verse 1 as we see the reason why. So it says, Certain people 
came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way as they travelled through Phoenicia and Samaria. They told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders met to consider this question. Now in your Bibles, uh, this event here is titled the Council at Jerusalem. And what's the debate here? Well, the debate really is about the status of the Gentile converts. As we saw last week, Paul and Barnabas have been on that mission trip. They've seen lots of Gentile people flock into the kingdom. And the question arises about whether Gentiles now need to be circumcised. Uh, Do they, in effect, need to become Jewish in order to be Christian and to be saved? And the problem arises in Jerusalem, so that's where Paul and Barnabas travel to to settle this question. And really, this is one of the first instances of Gospel Plus. Uh, One of the first instances of, uh, yes, you've got Jesus, but you also need uh, fill in the blank. Uh, For these Jewish believers uh, who also belong to the party of the Pharisees, just like Paul used to, well, they are insisting that the Gentiles who come to faith also need to get circumcised so they can then start obeying the law. Um, Really, they're saying that the person and work of Jesus, uh, believing in that, is not enough. Uh, But in addition, there's other things that you need to do as well. Now, as we'll see, Paul and the apostles will stand their ground and they're not going to have anything to do with that. In another place in the New Testament where we see this issue discussed at length is in Paul's letter to the Galatians. Um, This council in Jerusalem uh, is probably a couple of years before Paul writes that letter to the Galatians, but it's the same issues repeated. Uh, People coming from Jerusalem saying the same things, that people need to be circumcised and to obey the law of Moses in order to be saved. Now, when you read Galatians, I mean, Paul there is ruthless. Uh, We don't really get Paul's take in this passage. Notice we don't hear Paul speak at all. Uh, But when he writes that letter to the Galatians, I mean, he flatly says that that these gospel plus people, he's saying what they're saying is another gospel. Uh, It's no gospel at all. And he says that anyone who preaches that gospel is condemned to hell. That's how strong he is. He says that if anyone preaches to you another gospel, well, let them be under God's curse. So this issue of gospel plus, it comes up here in in, um, Acts 15. Uh, It comes up again in Galatians. You know, we look back and we think, it would have been nice, wouldn't it, if they settled it here once and for all and then it never uh, raised, raised itself again. 
But this just continues to come up time and time again in churches across the ages and across the world. And the reason why, I think, is because we want to have some control over our salvation. Uh, Because the gospel of Jesus says that faith is a gift, that our salvation is, is given purely by grace, that it is all of God's work from start to finish. And that offends us because we want to have something to do with it. We want to have some part to contribute. And so you can substitute in all kinds of different things. Now, it's unlikely that there's churches today demanding that every convert be circumcised. Um, I've never heard that. It's um, probably not a great church growth strategy. But, you know, substitute in, in something else. And, uh, and the conversation is often like this. You know, that if you're, if you're really saved, uh, yes, you've put your faith in Jesus, which is great, but, you know, to show the evidence that you are really saved, well, then you have to do these things or you have to not do these things. And it's easy to get there because the New Testament, of course, is full of instructions about uh, right behaviour and right ways of living once we are united to Christ Uh, Being a Christian means that we will put sin to death in our lives and begin to uh, exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the problem is when we mix up the fruit of the gospel with the news of the gospel. And that's where Paul and the apostles draw the line. Uh, The New Testament says it's not about us doing anything to earn our righteousness before God. At the end of the day, the only question really is, are are we relying on Christ and his righteousness? Uh, We'll see a little bit later in our passage today that the issue for Paul is not whether people get circumcised or not. I mean, that doesn't really matter at all. But the issue is about whether or not we tie something like that to salvation, to being necessary for being saved. Now, of course, one of the reasons why uh, the gospel is such good news is because it means that we can have assurance about our salvation. Uh, We started our service today with that verse on the front of your newsletter from Psalm 31. Uh, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. You might know that it was uh, when lecturing through the Psalms Uh, that Martin Luther began to question what he had been taught about salvation. Uh, Luther had been taught that God's righteousness was was really a terrifying concept because it was something that we could never live up to, uh, which is true. But as he read also Paul's letter to the Romans, he discovered the amazing news of the gospel that God gives his righteousness to us as a gift, something to be received by faith. Now, this is what Martin Luther said of that experience. He said, I grasp the truth that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy he justifies us by faith. And therefore I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. This passage of Paul became to me a gateway into heaven. 
See, that whole idea of gospel plus, well, we can never know if we've done enough. And so that is why it's so important that we keep coming back to this passage about uh, the Jerusalem Council. This news, it is too good to lose. And so this is the one thing that we must never change. We must never add to or take away from this good news of the gospel. So what happens as the leaders gather together here? Well, jump into verse 6. It says, The apostles and elders met to consider this question. And after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Uh, Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Great speech by Peter. (laughs) Um, Nails it. Uh, Peter's speaking as a Jew uh, to other Jewish Christians And uh, his argument is that they have been saved by grace, not by obeying the law. Um, See, the Jews, the Jewish Christians, they needed to be uh, saved by grace because they were unable to do the things that these guys are now saying that they want the Gentiles to do. See, no one's been able to be right with God through the law. And that's why everyone, without distinction, verse 11, needs the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So it's a great speech by Peter. Following that, uh, verse 12, Paul and Barnabas tell of their mission journey and what God did through them. And then in verse 13, James speaks. Uh, he starts by speaking of God's plan to include the Gentiles and he uh, has this great quote from Amos showing that this has been uh, God's plan from long ago. But then let me read from verse 19 and I want us to think carefully about this because As James continues, I mean, he now mentions a bunch of things that the Gentiles, he says, need to avoid. And I think we need to ask, I mean, has James uh, fallen into the error of adding to the gospel? Uh, Because it seems that he is adding some extra requirements. Let me read there from verse 19. He says, It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God, Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So that's um, James' suggestion. I think you can imagine if you're a Gentile convert and you hear that, where you think you'd probably be fairly happy with that. I mean, glad it didn't come back saying I need to get circumcised. I can, you know, probably handle doing some of the food things. But, I mean, think about this. I mean, it does sound here like James is sort of smuggling in some things, um, some works of the law that they must do. It starts out with salvation by faith, but then from verse 20, there's a bunch of things he says to abstain from, food, polluted by idols, sexual immorality, the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. So is this, a, 
is this a uh, um, case of gospel plus from James? Well, I think the reason is probably more about being a way of Gentile believers showing love toward their Jewish brothers and sisters. I think this is not so much a salvation issue but more a pastoral issue uh, and that's why James raises these things. helpful passage to read alongside this is Romans 14 and 15. It's the same kind of issues, uh, the same kind of things uh, that Paul speaks about there. He's speaking about the weak and the strong in faith um, and how some would uh, choose for the sake of others not to participate in certain activities because of uh, they wouldn't want to be a stumbling block to other believers. If you want to hear that unpacked more fully, Gareth uh, preached on those passages in, in Romans last year. Um, great couple of sermons on our website if you wanted to, to look at that. And um, the things that James mentions here, that they should abstain from, the things they should abstain from, they're, they're all things that would happen at a pagan temple. Uh, so you would eat food improperly butchered and sacrificed to idols. Uh, temple prostitution was part of it. And so probably what James is saying is that to these Gentile believers, as you turn to Jesus, well, that requires a turning away from all of that past idolatry. And for the sake of not causing your uh, Jewish believers or Jewish people in the area to stumble... Well, making a strong break from those things will help to preserve the fellowship of Jew and Gentile gathering together in the church. And so the council agrees and they write this letter. They appoint um, people to go with Paul and Barnabas to go back to Antioch with them. Um, And then in verse uh, 30 and 31, uh, we're told that it's received well. Uh, Verse 31 says the people read it. And they were glad for its encouraging message. And so what is the result of this? Well, what it means is that when there is clarity about the gospel, well, then the work of mission can continue. And maybe it's an obvious thing to say, but if if we're to be on mission for Jesus, if we're going to be sent out by him, well, then we'd better go with the right message. Because all kinds of damage can be done when people go with a different message, with a different gospel. But all kinds of blessing and freedom will come when we go with the message of Jesus. And as we continue, I mean, after seeing the importance here of holding fast to the gospel, well, we now see that Because of that, well, there's also a whole lot of things that we can hold on to a lot more lightly. And I think we see that in uh, two different ways in two short episodes here at the end of our passage today. So firstly, we see how Paul and Barnabas part ways. Um, In verse 36, we see that Paul wants to go back and uh, visit uh, all those places where he went last time, uh, see how the churches are going, but there's a dispute about taking Mark with them or not. Um, Barnabas wants to take Mark with them, uh, but Paul says no because last time uh, Mark deserted them. Now that happened last in our, in our passage that we looked at last week in verse 13 of chapter 13. And at that time it was really just a passing comment um, and we weren't really told of any of the problem or the controversy of it. 
Uh, but here, well, Paul obviously wasn't very happy. So it says in verse 39, um, they had a sharp disagreement, uh, Paul and Barnabas, and they parted company. Uh, Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, uh, but Paul chose Silas and left, uh, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So there you go. I mean, if you think that um, the, everything was rosy in the early church, uh, well, not at all. Um, instead, we have this disagreement. And uh, we, you know, we read this and we think that's terrible. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, they were the dream team on mission last week and now they're going different ways. But in God's providence... Well, what we see is that this argument actually results now in two mission groups going out instead of one. Uh, Barnabas and Mark go to Cyprus. Uh, Paul takes Silas and and goes north. Um, Now two teams uh, go out with the gospel and strengthen the churches. It's kind of interesting here that Luke doesn't comment at all about who was in the right. Um, Maybe because here was an area of freedom. And that what was much more important was that they just got on with the mission. The focus really then is on Paul's mission trip and we don't hear of Barnabas again in the book of Acts. So we just follow Paul from now on. But we now come to a second incident, I think, again, illustrating Christian freedom. So in verse 1 of chapter 16, it says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra. Uh, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and uh, a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Now, this is Timothy, who will um, become Paul's protege later on. Uh, It's the Timothy that we have two letters addressed to in the New Testament. Uh, Here it says, The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Uh, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him, because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. Now, I wonder if you're a little bit jarred by what you read there. I think, you know, we read this and think, well, what, what is going on? Um, just had this whole Jerusalem council uh, saying that you don't have to get circumcised and then... You know, it's only a few verses later um, uh, that Paul uh, has Timothy circumcised. So what's going on here? Well, I think, um, I think the difference here but in this chapter compared to the chapter earlier is that before the Pharisees were saying that this is something that you must do in order for people to be saved. And whenever the church demands extra things like that as a requirement for salvation, well, Paul will not have a bar of it. So it's not for that reason that Timothy is circumcised. Instead, really, it's for the sake of the mission going forward. Um, This is a way of really avoiding that whole question as uh, Paul and Timothy travel around together preaching the gospel. They, They do it so that there won't be any unnecessary barrier to stop anyone from listening to Timothy when he stands up and speaks in the synagogue. Uh, I think this is a decision based on evangelistic strategy. 
might have taken a little bit to convince Timothy that that was the best strategy. Um, but really, it's, it's an example of, uh, I think, Christian freedom. Um, whether he's circumcised or not really makes no difference at all to his salvation. But in this particular con- context, it will make a difference to how willing others will be to listen to him when he speaks the gospel. And so he chooses to go through with that so that the mission can can continue. And look, I think there's lots of things like that, sacrifices that we might choose to make, things that may be costly, things that we don't have to do in order to be a Christian, but we may choose to do them for the sake of the mission. Now think of people like Hudson Taylor. Uh, you might know he's the missionary who took the gospel to inland China. Um, radically for his time, he chose to dress in full Chinese clothes. Um, we all wear clothes made in China today, don't we? But you know, he, but he, he adopted the, the same look and the same haircut um, as those he was seeking to reach. He didn't need to do that. And he was criticised by his fellow missionaries for for taking that kind of step. But he saw that as a a helpful way of taking the mission forward. It's the kind of principle that Paul lays out in 1 Corinthians 9. I thought we'd just finish with this verse today. He says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. And friends, that is the mindset of mission. And the result of using our freedom to serve others in that way, well, we see the result here in in Acts again, in verse 5, where our passage finishes. It says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So for us on mission today, well, here's two things for us to remember. May we never add anything to the good news of salvation through Jesus, but may we be willing to take away any barrier, any potential stumbling block so that those around us would be able to hear and believe. Let me pray as we commit those things to God. Our Father God, we are so thankful for the the wonderful news of the gospel, uh, that in the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, that you have done for us everything that was needed so that we might be forgiven, so that we might have a new life, so that we might be able to come home to you. Father, help us to love and, and guard and proclaim that good news. And like Paul, may we, may we become all things to all people so that they too might hear and believe. And we pray in Jesus' name.
Amén.